I call myself a patient, caregiver, activist, a change agent, always gravitating towards action. I look for what works for me, for you, and our communities. For you and me, individuals, we set our goals, we try stuff, we learn, we adjust, and we try again. Hopefully we can measure our goals. You've heard mine ad nauseum. Progress as slowly as possible. Don't fall. Maintain my pathological optimism and keep playing my Barry Sachs. I can measure each of these easily. The expanded disability scale, EDSS, I've gone from 2.0 to 6.5 out of 10 in 12 years. And steps walked per day, I've decreased from 4,500 to 3,000. No falls recently. Occasional despondence, but mostly upbeat. Minutes per day playing my sax reduced from 65 to 5. See, measurable, easy, immediate feedback for action. Change over time, try stuff, and adjust, rinse, and repeat. In contrast, I serve on panels measuring cost and quality of care. Complicated measures costing millions to develop, calculate, and disseminate. Often, really usually, I find it impossible to see how the measures could or do drive action, especially for patients, caregivers, and communities. We will examine this deeper in subsequent episodes. Welcome to Health Hats, the podcast. I'm Danny Van Leeuwen, a two-legged cisgender old white man of privilege who knows a little about a lot of health care and a lot about very little. We will listen and learn about what it takes to adjust to life's realities in the awesome circus of health care. Let's make some sense of all of this. My dear friend and colleague in the patient engagement and measurement world and previous guest on this podcast, Ellen Schultz, introduced me to a project called Aligning Systems with Communities to Advance Equity Through Shared Measurement. Quite a mouthful. I'm drawn because it's community action with measurement. My guests are Tanya Duda and Uma Kodagal. Tanya currently serves as a senior researcher at the American Institutes for Research, AIR. She designs, manages, and directs projects on patient and stakeholder engagement, evidence-based policy, comparative effectiveness research, quality measurement, and health equity. Dr. Uma Rahman Kodagal currently serves as senior fellow at Cincinnati Children's Hospital Medical Center and is professor of pediatrics, obstetrics, and gynecology at the University of Cincinnati. A neonatologist and health services researcher by training, Uma previously served as executive lead for community and population health and launched a community-based learning network called All Children's Thrive Learning Network. The network focused on improving the lives of children in poverty through cross-sector partnerships, including health and education and social sectors. Good afternoon. Thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate it. Would you please um, introduce yourselves? How would you introduce yourselves in a social situation or a business situation, let our listeners know who they're hearing. You want me to go first, Tanya? All right. So I'm Uma Kodagal. I'm a pediatrician, and I have been working 
caring for children, and especially sick children, for a very long time. I'm a neonatologist by background, which means that I work with very sick, premature babies. But over the last 10 plus years, I have shifted my focus from directly taking care of kids and sick kids to looking at the whole system to understand what works, why it works, why it doesn't work. And so since 2001, I have been leading work on transforming healthcare starting first at Cincinnati Children's, but really across the world. And my focus is really to make healthcare more effective, more safe, more reliable, more patient-centered. That's what I've been working on. But I began, from my work in taking care of kids, I began to think that there were bigger issues that needed to be tackled that probably required broader work. So I started with myself and my work, then my hospital's work, then work across other hospitals. But I recognized that health care by itself could not impact total health. In that while healthcare could do a lot of things, surgery, fix a problem, orthopedics, a lot of different things, health of a whole person required a community. And so I began to shift my thinking from simply saying making healthcare better to seeing if kids in our city, especially kids in poverty or kids in difficult circumstances, could in fact advance their health. And we can talk a little bit more about that, but that's my trajectory, Mm -hmm. my thinking and work. And so currently I'm working with people across the community at Cincinnati to improve the lives of children, working across different sectors. Hi, I'm Tanya Datta. I am a senior researcher at the American Institutes for Research. And I've been at AIR or the American Institutes for Research for about seven years. But overall, I have around 10 years of experience in the development, implementation, and management of projects more around patient and family engagement, comparative effectiveness research, healthcare delivery system reform, as well as health equity. When I started doing this work, I was new to the world of health equity, but what attracted me to this work was this idea of we need to care for the entire person, not just look at healthcare, because healthcare by itself is not going to solve all the problems. And we do need to partner, you know, with other systems or sectors like education to meet the needs of the individuals. And there are so many things happening in one's life, which we often call these are all upstream factors. And these need to be addressed as as we start to look at the health and well-being of individuals. Thank you. I met you guys because of this project that you were involved in, aligning systems with communities to advance equity through shared measurement. Such a mouthful. I'm wondering if you could break that down for us. What systems, which communities, what kind of equity, and what is shared measurement? There's so much just in that title. Yes, I agree. There's a lot in that title. And we too defined a lot of these terms when we started working on this project. But the idea at its base is that we can't advance equity well without working with the people we're seeking to serve because there's no substitute for their perspective. So in terms of defining communities, we intentionally kept it very broad so that the work that we complete can be applicable in different settings. So community can be either at the neighborhood level, the city level, or in some cases we've seen even at the national level. And the people in these communities have different needs and priorities. And systems or sectors, as we know in healthcare, are organizations that have a direct influence on the health and well-being of the community members. So everything from healthcare, human and social services, public health, education, transportation, our justice system, 
all of these are systems. When we started this work, we saw that these systems often operate in silos, which creates fragmentation in the ways in which services are delivered to community members. And this fragmentation often, you know, makes it more likely that community members' needs can go unmet and that they may experience worse health outcomes as a result. So when we're thinking of the whole health of community members, we want these systems to align, to meet their needs. And sometimes systems align for different reasons, but not always to advance equity. And in some cases, what we've also seen as the alignment efforts have actually exacerbated the existing inequities. Mm -hmm. So our goal from the very beginning was that we want these organizations to align, to advance equity. Now, the other piece of this is the use of shared measurement. That's what makes this project unique. So the systems have traditionally used measurement to set their goals and define what success should look like. And measurement in these cases is often linked to dollars because it can determine how resources are allocated. And it it can also be used to create checks and balances on how those dollars are spent. So to promote equity, we have to identify how these inequities are built into our use of measurement. And then we have to be intentional about dismantling those inequities. So we need to ask questions like what measures or measurement systems are we using? Where did those measures come from? What biases may be built into that data? What important information do we need from those measurement systems that the existing measures cannot tell us? So through this work, what we've seen is that an important part of changing systems is changing how those systems use shared measurement. So measurement can either be used to reinforce the status quo of systemic racism and structural inequities that exist within systems, or we can use it as a force to advance equity. That's what this work is about, I'll go into a little more detail and talk about shared measurement because that might be, everyone doesn't understand it in a similar way. So our project funded by the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation focuses on using shared measurement as a strategy to advance equity. So shared measurement means using a common set of measurable goals that reflect shared priorities across systems and with community members. So when talking about shared measurement, we mean the whole process of measuring, not just individual metrics or data. So it includes like, what do we need to measure and why is that important? Choosing how to measure it, including the data sources that we should use. So it's not just about quantitative or numeric data, Mm -hmm. but it's also about the qualitative stories or the narratives that come with it. It's also about making sense of what the data means, including who is interpreting it and telling Mm -hmm. the story about. Then finally, shared measurement is also about sharing that information in ways that are easy to understand. Mm -hmm that helps the different stakeholders monitor progress towards the collective goals that they've established and Mm -hmm. support learning and also can be used to inform policy decisions. So I'm going to pause there and see if you have any other questions. I know there was a lot, but that's how we broke it down, the different pieces. That was a lot. Delivering services, creating devices and products, learning through research, all require the participation of the people affected and using the output. Engagement, participation, partnering, co-production. Sound familiar? Changing systems, public health, acute care, neighborhood services, whatever needs attention paid to the boundaries between their inevitable structured silos and inequities. Finally, measurement done well that makes sense to users and communities can be impacted by collective action and is worth the effort.
Uma, why did you get involved in this, specifically this process? I think that when I think about children, which is what I think about most of the time, I think about their well-being. I think about no harm to them. I think about, are they going to thrive? Will they be on the trajectory that gets them to a place where they could be strong, healthy adults? And I am a systems person and I am an improvement person. So in both of those categories, my view of the world is not just about people talking about what they do, but what is the impact. So as an improvement expert, my fundamental bias is that people talk a lot and do a lot, but we don't change the system. So to change the system, we have to start from a systems perspective. And as Tanya said, the number one issue is what are we talking about? So in my case, we're talking about children in poverty, children between the ages of zero to nine, children entering kindergarten, children going and being able to graduate from third grade. Let's think about that. And as we think about that, then I have to be able to talk to different people about what I can't be gobbledygook and it can't be complex measurement because we are working with a community for that community to be engaged because we're thinking about populations. Mm-hmm. So the work of so the work has to be scientific and valid and good, but it also has to be meaningful and warm and encouraging people to be curious and saying, oh. I didn't know that. Tell me more about it. Mm -hmm. So what Tanya is describing, the systems view, what does a system look like? Why does it work a certain way? Why does it act the way it does? Why does this system produce good results and this system not produce good results? Comes down to both measurement and then your theory of what's going on. So if I'm, my goal is children thriving. I know that third grade is a very important factor for advancement. So the measurements for our All Children Thrive Network relate to minus nine to nine. Minus nine is starting pregnancy and and nine is nine years. So our measures have to be meaningful for teachers, Mm -hmm. meaningful for parents. They have to be meaningful for the providers and the physicians and nurses that are taking care of kids. And we want them to be simple, logical, understandable, not so complex that I don't know if I'm doing better or not, because measurement is really about, am I going in that direction? Is that direction the right direction? Am I making progress? So I think about measurement, probably, you know, not only what the measurement is, but why are we measuring? Can we shift a little from the theoretical to yeah. the, like, so give me some examples, like out of all this work, where did you end up? So we focused on 66,000 children in the city of Cincinnati, 40% of whom live in poverty. So our focus is for all our children to thrive. And we decided to start from pregnancy, so early gestation, till third grade. Believing that early space is where mental health, physical health, confidence, trajectories matter. So we said, okay, from minus nine to nine, that's our measurement system. So we started with healthy births. And there we're looking at prematurity and infant mortality. Children dying Mm -hmm. before the age of one, either from primary or secondary causes. But then we also recognize that graduating third grade set you on a trajectory of success, whereas if you failed third grade, the likelihood is that you were not going to be able to do well. And third grade has become a good marker. At the other end of the spectrum, our marker is third grade graduation. So it's not necessarily a traditional research-oriented model. It's a child's trajectory model. And there we're asking the question, What do I need to know for you by one year? What do we need to know when you're born? What does it look like when you enter school? Mm -hmm. What does it look like when when you're nine years old, when you're in third grade? So when you say you want to know what it looks like, so what are you looking at? Are you looking at food? Are you looking at the family? Are you looking at what what is, say more. So let's take infant mortality is surviving to age one. 
we know that infant mortality in blacks is significantly higher than infant mortality in whites. We know that people with very good income and good socioeconomic status, the infant mortality is very low, whereas people in lower socioeconomic status and African-Americans, infant mortality is high. So our goal there is that you're going to survive to your first birthday. Now, the theory, once we say that is right, that infant mortality is what we're going to measure, then we have our theory about why. So sometimes it's because of multiple pregnancies, meaning mm-hmm. I have quadruplets. Sometimes it's because my risk of pregnancy is very high and the likelihood that I will have a baby, a full-term baby, is low. So once you take the big measure, which in our case is infant mortality, then we've got to build a theory about why that doesn't work. Prematurity is the number one cause of infant mortality, children being born too premature. And the factors related to prematurity related to maternal stress, to poverty, to economic status. Predominantly, infant mortality is higher in blacks than in whites. So now if we want to address infant mortality, what we have found is that we have to find mothers very early We have to, by mothers are pregnant women very early, we have to build their confidence. We have to have a community group that supports them. They have to have stable housing. They have to be Mm -hmm. supported and cared for during their pregnancy. And if we do all of that, we have good data to show that our prematurity rates are low and our infant mortality rates are low. So that's the pre-gestational, starting Mm pre-gestation to age one. So I understand that those are occurrences, factors, situations that make a difference. Did this project like start with that as what you knew already, and then you brought communities together to validate it? How were communities involved in? So it's both. Okay. The, the experts in the field, the people that have the scientific research knowledge to say what we must do to decrease prematurity or what we must do to decrease infant mortality, there's scientific evidence. And they come to the table to synthesize the scientific evidence and say, we need to do these things if you want to make this better. That's one. The second is that while the physicians and the scientists can say you need to do these things, Some of the underlying factors are related to poverty and stress and unstable housing and single parents and things like that. So then we have to have those people at the table to hear their view, not only on what we're not doing right for them, but what they need to be able to do in order to survive and have healthy children. So it's not a either or option. So we set the table where the physicians are there and the obstetricians are there and the pediatricians are there, the nurse midwives are there, the community people are there, but we also explicitly do deep design work, specifically meeting with families, visiting their homes, understanding their context so that We're not making it up from our perspective, but we're looking at their perspective. So for example, in the early premature, early pregnancy space, there's a lot of stuff we could do to prevent, you know, stillbirths or early prematurity. And some of that is activating women, creating a women's group that takes care of each other, making sure that the housing is safe and they're not evicted, things like that, that contribute to poor outcomes. So sometimes we're going beyond the medical space yeah. to the community space, which is where we have to do the work. And sometimes we might only be in the medical space. And that depends on which goal we're tackling, what measurement we're tackling. The AIR Robert Wood Johnson Initiative includes the five other community projects. San Antonio 2020, Vermont Health and All Policies, Community Schools Initiative, Connect SoCal, L.A. County Homeless Initiative. Find more about each in the show notes. I asked Tanya about the guiding principles learned by this collaboration of communities. Ellen Schultz telling me about these guiding principles first caught my attention and motivated me to devote an episode to the project. Again, 
More about the principles can be found in the show notes. As we were exploring how shared measurement can be used as a tool, we developed a core set of five principles okay. and also accompanying guidance, practical guidance for community members, system leaders. And we, we decided to develop principles because these are the fundamental values that can shape and govern yeah. the policies and objectives of systems. What you heard from Uma is one of our use cases. So we had a process where we engaged stakeholders from various systems as well as community members to make sure that we are including their input as we are developing the principles. We spoke to Uma's group and drafted a use case or a case study on the Cincinnati All Children Thrive Initiative and how they're using shared measurement to advance equity. And we did that for five more initiatives. And oh, we- okay. So we selected different initiatives, some at the national level, some at the neighborhood level, some state level, and we took all of that information. And we also conducted six listening sessions with various communities all across the country to hear their needs. And we took all of this information to start like a Delphi process again, in which several experts, stakeholders, community members were engaged. And that's what led to development of the principles and the practical guidance. So the principles are the upfront investment, co-creation, accountability, holistic and comprehensive view, and shared values. How is it that people that you're not connected with, that now you've done all this work, you've published these principles, why should people care about this? What is it that that this, how is this going to help people who are out in the community doing, advocating for whatever they're advocating for that are not part of this project? How will this be generalized to other people and other groups? So I think that these principles are clean and clear and offer information that allows people to be more successful at what they want to impact. Measurement as a key principle is so vital to this kind of work because if people stay fuzzy about the measurement, then after a little while with the project, then things are not going the right way. Then they begin to say it was this or it was that. So getting the measurement right is like the goalpost, right? I want to reduce infant mortality by 40%. I want okay. to improve third grade reading by 80%. So okay. by, by putting a stake in the ground, I'm saying what I'm going to improve and how much I'm going to improve it by. Okay. And that's where the measurement system is important. Yes. Quite frequently, what people try to do is to put 100 measures or 50 measures, yes. or many measures, and then they don't quite know if what worked or what didn't work. Yes. They're spending all their time on measurement when they should be spending their time on improvement. So right. getting that measurement right up front is very critical. And we say that you have to have a parsimonious set of measures. You can't bring the whole kit and caboodle to the dance. Right. So you got to come with a discrete set of measures that you know how to measure that are important, that you know how to improve. Because simply saying I can measure and keeping on measuring but not improving it doesn't matter. So in our case, our measures are related to the zero to nine age mm. group, mm-hmm. but they are they're a small set of measures. So we yes. measure infant survival, right? Uh, infant mortality. Yes. Measure oh, that's really helpful. Days spent in the hospital. So are you spending, are you sick and not able to do all the things you should do, mm-hmm. which mean, which is about prevention and supporting parents and so on. Third grade reading. We went to third grade reading as a measure because we think that it's a predictor of long-term success for healthy children, mm-hmm. but it's not in the healthcare space. But it is. But the point of the measurement is that we had to go to whatever sector we had to go to, to figure out what the kids would need. Yeah. And so in the commonality, if you're looking at our measures, the commonality is that we can highlight exactly what we want to do. Then we build an improvement course to help people learn how to improve those measures. Then everybody in the community starts to use those measures and share those measures and learn. And we begin to get population level data using systems 
approaches that allow us to answer the question, does it work or does it not work? So the right. partners are important, but the measurement is what drives the focus. I go to a lot of yeah. sessions and everybody meets and everybody talks. And then six months later, you go back and everybody meets and everybody talks. <laughs> yes. And that's that there's so much money and time wasted that if right. we started with, so for instance, we our four goals are pretty tough to move, but we are working hard to move them. So our third grade reading measure, we have to partner with the schools. Right. So to partner with the schools, we have to build improvement capability in the schools themselves. That means we have to build relationships and trust because the superintendent of schools is asking, who the hell are you? Why are you coming into my space and telling me that I should improve third grade reading? So I have to go into that space with humility and trust and a shared belief that she and I both are interested in the well-being yeah. of children because we would not be where we were. And then I can introduce, how do you want to know if we're successful? That's right. really measurement, right? And she says, if my third grade kids move from 45% to 70%, that'll be total success. So the measurement comes into the dialogue all the time. It comes in many different ways. And there's no way you can change systems without coming to terms with measurement. Right. You need a barometer. Yes. You need to know that you did something good. Yes, of course. That's really helpful. Thank you for that. You bet. That's a, a first principle. We got to solve problems. And then for us to be able to align the communities, they have to be co-created by the communities. It can't yes. be us going in and saying, I got the measure, don't worry about it. We got to sit down with the superintendent and she says, if it's this, then how will I measure that? We're looking at mental health in the schools as an important thing for children to learn because to be literate, you got to be present and to be present. So then we'll have, we have measures around disruptions in classrooms mm -hmm. so we can understand if the classroom's working well. And so the measure of third grade reading was a partnership between us and Cincinnati Public Schools. It wasn't my measurement. Right, right, right. Asking the questions, it was their measurement. And because the evidence is very clear about that third grade goal, then we could unify around it. And once we take that measurement and we break it down, we know that the kids have to be in school. We know that if there's a gap, the teacher has to know that she's got 15 kids that don't understand what's going on. We yes. got to have reading specialists that come in and help those kids. But now we can design the system because we said that we're going to move our third grade goals from X to Y, and they know what it's going to take to do it. It's okay. just that they don't do it systematically. But by measurement and quarterly measurement, and then looking at the kids that aren't doing well, we build more theories, and then we can improve. Yeah. So without measurement, and there are so many people across the country who do this work with no measurement, just right. conversations and yes, yes. musing and writing about it, but to do that, you'd have to engage the people. Yeah. Thank you. That was very helpful. Now a word about our sponsor, Abridge. Use Abridge to record your doctor visit. Push the big pink button and record the conversation. Read the transcript or listen to clips when you get home. Check out the app at abridge.com. A-B-R-I-D-G-E dot com. Or download it on the Apple App Store or Google Play Store. Record your healthcare conversations. Let me know how it went. give a different example yeah. Yeah. so on mm -hmm. our principle about co-creation it's yeah. about co-creating to center the values needs and priorities of communities another use case that we worked on was on the san antonio 2020 initiative and this mm -hmm. is a city-wide initiative where in 2010 the city government partnered with community representatives and they had established a citywide goal to improve the health, education, and economic opportunity of people in San Antonio. And it was a very broad goal. But the way they did it was they engaged community members from 11 different neighborhoods, and they brought them together 
And along with city leaders and other stakeholders, they came up with 62 measures that were of relevance to the community. So the community was not really involved in the technical aspects Mm -hmm. um, of the measurements, but they said, okay, this is what we need to do. These are our priority areas and this is what we want to improve. So then they took that information and then figured out, okay, how can we make this work? How can we meet the goal of this initiative? And not only did they record all of this information and share it back with the communities, but periodically every year, they shared it with more than 150 local organizations Mm -hmm. and that they adapted their priorities to meet this community vision yeah so after doing all this work for 10 years and last year so in 2020 they went back to the community and talked to them okay this is where we started 10 years ago this is what we've achieved should we continue down this path or do we need to change Mm-hmm. our priorities right, right. in some manner. So that's another e- example that really struck me because, you know, community was involved from the very beginning throughout the process. The use cases that gathered for this project were sound like they were already mature community efforts. And this project was drawing on their expertise. What can we learn that we could share with other communities about how to go about doing this? How is it that now that the project has been completed and you've published something, how will the word get out to other communities and other initiatives that can use this roadmap or these guidelines? We're currently working on a lot of those dissemination activities. We are presenting at conferences, which are attended and by... And you're doing this podcast. Yes. <laughs> and we are doing things with community-based organizations, mm-hmm. presenting at conferences that they attend. In addition, we are doing two listening sessions actually this month where we're again inviting like practitioners. So there may be initiatives that are not as advanced as Cincinnati Mm -hmm. All Children Thrive, but they want to hear about this work and see what principles they can take and how to move, uh, that'll help them move this work forward. So the listening sessions again involve community members. If you're going to hear from them, what do you want to, you know, see system leaders do? What do you want funders to do for it? Or we may hear some barriers that these are our barriers and we're not able to do these things because of xyz so those are the listening sessions that will happen in the next two weeks oh i so like that that. i'm on the um i'm on the board of governors of picori the patient centered outcomes research institute actually the question i asked at the last meeting was that if one of the things we're trying to do is healthcare communication communication is not just unidirectional we did this work here it is. It's listening. And what is the science of listening to communities? And I will be uh, very interested in uh, a month or so, if you don't mind, I'd love to hear from you again about what you learned in those listening sessions and how you did those listening sessions. I think we suck at listening. It's hard for people who are experts I think, often to listen. And how does that happen? So I'll be very interested in what's working for you in your listening sessions and what isn't. These kinds of projects are often, you publish a paper and it's the end point. You did the research, you did whatever, It's that's it. What isn't it? It's only the beginning. It's who's going to use it and how yeah, are they going to use exactly. it and how did it work? And maybe it worked for these five really exciting community initiatives, but who's to say it's going to work everywhere? I want to say, I think that when we are thinking about improvement and measurement and impact, we are intentionally designing for it. And so when we are thinking, so when we're saying, let's take the city of Cincinnati and it's home to 66,000 children, more than 40% of whom live in poverty. And our goal 
is to transform their trajectory. And we yes. believe that third grade reading is the first space to do that work. So mm -hmm. if we start with that premise, that's just the first step. And the second step is to engage the people whose work it is to say, I think you can do better. Here's how we could help you. Ah. So that you build the will so that okay. the Cincinnati Public Schools says, I absolutely want to get all my kids graduated. I don't want to have a 63% rate of third grade literacy. Let's right, talk right, about right. that. Right. When we do that, then we as improvement experts, but not content experts, have to be humble and collaborative and collegial and learn to build yes. that partnership. Yes. The work of transforming communities is not going to come simply from brilliant ideas. It's going to come from rolling up our sleeves and working together, understanding how you work. Oh my God, if you do it this way, here's an opportunity that I could leverage. And so when we are working with teachers to change how they teach, when we're measuring literacy changes every two weeks to see what's happening, we begin to not think about a monolithic process, right. but an engaged process in which everybody works. And without the community co-designing that it can't just be three nerdy pediatricians from Cincinnati Children coming in <laughs> to say, I got the answer, right? It's really right, their right. work. What we bring is some tools that have been very helpful for us to transform healthcare that we're known for across the country. So the measurement matters, the alignment matters, the principles that Tanya's described have to be actuated in the context of the work. But at the end of the day, to actuate those principles, it's about trust, mm -hmm. it's about collaboration, yeah. it's about learning, yeah. it's about humility, and importantly, it is about the people who know more than you telling you what's really going on. So in yeah. our case, in the hospital, it's parents telling us, hey, right. I don't know why you do it this way. Right. It doesn't work for us. Right, right, And right. us listening and saying something different for kids in schools. It's the people learning how to do that. So looking at the system, understanding the system, agreeing to the measurement, without that, you can't proceed. Yeah. But once you do that and you build a collaboration, then you can transform systems. And there's a fair amount of evidence and fair amount of, of research and experience in doing that. Mm -hmm. Because it's by setting the goals and doing the necessary work that the systems will change. Yeah. So maybe they looked at the data only once every three months, but if they looked at the data every two weeks, they might pick up some seriously important things that they could use. So that's the, that's the work, the trust building, the generosity, that's the soft side, the decency, building the capacity. Then there's the technical side of teaching improvement, how you measure, how do you keep a run chart? Mm -hmm. you know, how do you run a PDSA that allows you to know if your theory is working or not? When both of those parts Plan, come study, together, do, act. Plan, study, do, act. Okay. Exactly. So when both of those plan, do, study, act. So when both of those come together, I think then we see we have the compassion and the understanding and the learning and the trust and the collaboration, but then we have the methods that enable people mm -hmm. to try and test and learn to change systems. And when people get activated in that way, because, oh my God, I didn't know I could do that. Wow. Here's my chart on this little kid. Do you want to see this little kid's chart? Last year, he looked like this year. Look at his chart. All of that kind of causes that to happen. And that kind of systems change requires both the soft side and the technical side. Before we end, I want to ask you, what should we have talked about that we didn't? Tanya, what ha what didn't we talk about that we should have to round this? I, I just want to reiterate um, the importance of equal partnership with community okay. members. So when we were talking to community members and community-based organizations in this work, they expressed the importance of systems working with the community. And one community member said that we need to have a seat at the table, not on the menu. Yeah, and that's I saw really that. Stayed. I saw that. That was great. I like that. I'm not yes, on the menu. Not on the menu. And that really <laughs> stayed with Whether me. Whether you're a good cook or not. <laughs> yes. So I think that's what I wanted to end on and mm -hmm. just wanted to make a note that this is just the start. 
And a lot of work still needs to be done as you're, you know, moving in this direction. Mm-hmm. And the work is messy. It won't happen overnight. As mm-hmm. Uma said, we need to be patient and humble as we embark on this journey. Mm-hmm. And it just needs a lot of work. It's just a start as you're moving towards achieving equitable outcomes for all. So I got to ask one more question, just because I'm just... I'm thinking back to my career and when, you know, we've done stuff. I participated in stuff like this. And I'm thinking about how important the role of leadership is, community leadership. When stuff like this works, it's the CEO at a hospital cared, a town manager cared, a police chief cared. It was like there was somebody that had either formal or informal authority and charisma, who cared and was willing to bring people together and then bring in skills that weren't present, that were needed. Mm-hmm. And then it, what, do yes. you, what do you think, think about that? Three things I think about. The first I think about is, is learning to see. Learning to speak. Learning to see. Yeah, because there's a lot of times it's all around us, but we are not willing to see. We're not willing to say third grade literacy rates in Cincinnati are X. Why are Mm -hmm. they that low? Why is the gap between black and white? So I think the learning to see part of it allows you to activate your, like all of a sudden you notice. Now you say, oh my God, I saw Mm -hmm. this. Now the other day I noticed that this is real. I didn't realize it was real because I was in my little cocoon and doing my things and didn't know that, blah. So the first one I think is learning to see. That's true for for anybody that wants to do improvement. Most of the time, the people who do improvement, succeed in improvement is because they can see and are willing to admit what's happening. I think the the second is being willing to act. So a lot of times people are writing papers describing stuff and moving on, writing the next paper. There's hundreds of papers written about a topic already, but nobody's doing anything about it. They're just redocumenting and redocumenting. Oh, it used to be 40%, now it's 42%. Oh, so the second thing is being willing to act. So learning to see, being willing to act. And the third thing is really all about generosity, compassion, and sharing. Mm-hmm. It's not like I'm the boss and I know what to do, so just listen to me. <laughs> it's like giving the tools to everybody. So mm-hmm. every teacher in the classroom can say, hey, I ran this PDSA and here's what I learned. And tomorrow I'm going to do my class differently. Yeah. So to transform systems, I think you have to learn to see, you have to be willing to act. And then you have to build that capacity of 100 teachers. And if you look at our children's hospitals, we're 140 children's hospitals across the world. Mm-hmm. participate for the last, I think the last 10 years on reducing harm in children's hospitals. You go mm-hmm. to Australia, you go to the UK, you go to Africa, wherever you go, you'll see this happening. Mm-hmm. And we started that as a very small thing in a single hospital. So those are the three things yeah. I think, in addition to everything that Tanya has talked about and that you have reflected on, mm-hmm. I would say are important. Thank you. This has been great. I learned something. Thank you. Thank Thank you. you. Tanya, thank you. Thank you so much. Yes, this is a pleasure. Take care of yourselves. Bye. Bye. When I led quality management at St. Peter's Addiction Recovery Center, Spark, early in this century, yes, I feel old, seasoned, whatever, we found ourselves seriously underwhelmed with the results of a HEDIS measure, outpatient follow-up after inpatient discharge. The idea, people discharged from behavioral health, hospitalization, so serious mental illness or detox, would fare better if they had a follow-up appointment in a clinic with a therapist within 30 days of discharge. Spark sat at 25% follow-up, disappointing at best. Under the leadership of Bob Doherty, we convened a community initiative with people who had been discharged. Inpatient clinicians, outpatient therapists, emergency medical personnel, police, housing professionals, etc. 
the short story, this community collaboration resulted in improvement from 25 to 75% follow-up in about two years. As Uma and Tanya described, simple and frequent measurement, community participation and action, learning and adjustment. On the other hand, I often found myself in other settings as quality lead, asking, why are we measuring all this stuff? They're not motivating or informative. We measure because we must. Most of our energy goes to deflecting blame, trying to look good, not improving anything. It was so discouraging. My experience with Spark met many of the guiding principles to align systems with communities to advance equity through shared measurement. Those principles are, one, requires upfront investment in communities to develop and sustain community partner capacity. Two, co-creating by communities to center their values, needs, priorities, and actions. Three, creates accountabilities to communities for addressing root causes of inequities and repairing harm. Four, focuses on a holistic and comprehensive view of people and communities that highlights assets and historical context. And five, reflects shared values and intentional long-term efforts to build and sustain trust. Thank you, Robert Woods Johnson Foundation. AIR, Uma Kodigal, and Tanya Duda for this fine work. I look forward to hearing and sharing more about your listening sessions. Onward. Thanks to Kayla Nelson, web and social media coach, and Joey Van Leeuwen, musician and arranger. See the show notes previous podcasts, and other resources through my website, www.health-hats.com. Please subscribe and contribute. If you like it, share it. Thanks. See you around the block.